Hello, and welcome to the Sorbonne Messer podcast with me, your host, Alan McGuire. Today is Monday, the 19th of October. Sorbonne Messer podcast listeners got an extra episode last week. I had the pleasure of interviewing historian and writer Giles Tremlett about his new book, The International Brigades. In this interview, we cover the research that he had to do for the book, his favourite parts of it, and how he thinks it will be received in Spain when it comes out next month in Spanish. You can find that interview on Google, Spotify and Apple under The Sobremesa Podcast. This week on Sobremesa, we have a very um, strange and quite a complex case to unravel, but I have help from an old friend who I will be playing the interview with for you in a moment. But just to set the scene... This week, there was a really strange paradox in Spain. The Princesa de Asturias, which is the highest award in the country, um, was given to medical professionals for fighting coronavirus in the country. And the other side of it is that the main doctor's union is threatening to strike from the 27th of of October onwards. Now, they're threatening to strike over quite a controversial law that the government have passed. Now, this law is to try and um, allow communidades and health um, organisations, people that the, the unions say aren't qualified to do the job. Now, there's, this gets quite complex. um, But it's also quite strange because The shortage in Spain isn't due to people not being trained, as it is in other countries. It's because they many people went abroad. So this all stems back from the austerity imposed around, I think it was around 2012, um, initially by the Pessoa government, and then later, and a lot deeper, by the Rajoy government. Um, Many health professionals went abroad so mainly doctors and nurses but also psychologists physiotherapists um, all went abroad because there were no jobs in Spain for these medical professionals and now Spain is trying to get back some of these nurses so uh, in a financial times article a couple of weeks ago they said that there was a shortage of around 125,000 nurses um and that Spain is trying to get 10,000 of them back. Uh, the, the article, which is titled, Spain seeks to tempt back lost nurses as it wrestles with virus. And the, the uh, article goes on to say that the Spanish healthcare system is understaffed, under-resourced and under-strained due to the virus. Now, I've been following this story for a very long time. Um, and in fact, I used to be a nurse back in the UK. and after meeting my gorgeous Spanish uh, wife, who's who's a doctor, uh, we moved to uh, London uh, for two years before we decided to move to Madrid. And I met a lot of doctors and nurses from Spain that had been part of the mass exodus to try and find better pay and better contracts. Many of them have gone back or, or gone to another country. And one of those people was Maribel Benitez, who I'm going to play the interview with now. She's going to talk about her experience going abroad and a few other things. 
So today with me I have Maribel Benitez, an old friend from London. Welcome to Sobre Mesa, Maribel. Hi, Alan. Thank, thank you for inviting me. So, Maribel, we're just going to... Well, I wanted to talk to you today. I mean, I know all this, but this is mainly for the, the listeners of the podcast. Um, so you moved abroad to, to work as a doctor. When, when was that? When did we meet, roughly? Was it 2014? We met uh, in 2014. I moved to London in September 2000, 2013, and we met at the beginning of 2014, I think. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it was a very funny first encounter. I remember that. I remember meeting lots of different Spanish people in that time. <laughs> Most of my <laughs> friends in London were Spanish. And um, I didn't understand your English at the beginning. <laughs> don't worry, a lot of people still don't know. Um, so what brought you to London, Maribel? Why did you leave? Uh, so obviously you finished your medical degree, but, uh, you know, what... Um, what brought you to London? What did you study, first of all, sorry? And, and what brought you to London? Like, what's your story up till 2013? So, yes, um, I always wanted to be a doctor. So I studied medicine. And at the end of my of the university, I realized I wanted to be a pediatrician. So I did my, tra my training in pediatrics in Seville. And yes, as soon as I started doing pediatrics, I realized I did love uh, doing uh, oncology so it was like my dream to my dream to become a doctor and working in oncology with kids but yes I when I finished in 2013 when I finished my training in pediatrics um, I did realize it was going to be impossible to work as an oncologist as a pediatric oncologist so well I decided okay I did what I wanted I finally I'm finally a pediatrician so Yes, I will try to work as a pediatrician. So what happened when I finished, it, it was impossible for me to find a job. Why is, uh, why is that? Why was it impossible to find a job? Was uh, it just in your area? Or was it like all over? Uh, there were no jobs in the public service. Um, at the end, I, I could work doing, doing on call in, in a private clinic. But it was like I didn't. It wasn't the thing I, I wanted to do, and I didn't have an stable, an stable job. It was like doing on calls, working like four or five days per month. Wow, really? This was at the beginning, but finally they they offered me a job in in the public service. But it was a contract. Uh, I have to sign my contract month by month by month, wow. and the contract was seventy five percent of the hour. Of course. I was working 100% of the hour, but they would pay me 75%. Really? So what happened? At the, at the end of the first month, I remember it was summertime. At the end, uh, I received a phone call from the hospital and they told me, okay, Maribel, I'm really sorry, but don't come back tomorrow because we gave uh, your job to a different person. So we are sorry, don't come back tomorrow. Wow. So that day I, I became crazy. I was very, very angry because, uh, you know, they wanted to, they wanted me for the summertime. And as soon as the summer finished, they could say, okay, don't come and sign again the contract because as I was signing month by month, they could do that. Yeah. They were, do, they were doing that uh, to everyone. Uh. Uh, so 
that evening I decided to 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 go to to move to London. Uh, I have been thinking about it, so I decided I decided to move at the beginning as an observership. So September 2013, I moved to London. Uh, I I didn't have no one there. I didn't know anybody. Uh, so it was like a big adventure for me. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I arrived <laughs> a raining evening to a house where there were li living like four other girls. And at the following day, I went to, for my first day in a hospital in central London, St. Mary's uh -huh. Hospital. Oh, yeah. Yes, in Paddington. Uh -huh. And yes. I, it, it wasn't a job, it was like a kind of training, an observership, uh, but yes. So I started there the beginning of November and, and after one month, when I was like, uh, started to feel better, I received a call from Spain, from the first hospital I told you about. And uh -huh. they told me, okay, Maribel, we have a new offer for you. If you want, uh, and there is a maternity leave, so you want, we, we, we offer you uh, the post. And I asked them, okay, but uh, will, I have, will, will I sign for the whole maternity leave? And they told me, no, 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 you can't, we cannot do that. You will be signing uh, month by month, and the contract will be 75% of the hour. So I told them, okay, I will think about it. Because, you know, I move everything to go for London. My plan was to stay there for three months. Uh -huh. And after one month, I wanted to continue, but I I wanted to think about it. But my surprise was that the following day when I went to St. Mary Hospital, uh, the doctor I was working with, he told me, uh, Maribel, we would like to offer you uh, a post for okay. one month. It will be like, uh, we want to try you. And if we like, uh, maybe we can offer you another post for a longer period of time, mm. if uh, you can do this job. So I finally decided to stay in London. Mm -hmm. I worked for one month, and after that, they offered me a six-month uh, post. And when I realized, uh, well, I spent finally in, the, in that hospital because I did uh, different contracts, uh, like one year and a half. Mm. Yes. So the plan was to stay there, uh, but what happened at the end? because I had in mind to come back to Spain. So I wanted to do different jobs. I wanted to, to open my, uh, to have more uh, possibilities to come back. So I wanted mm -hmm. to work in different places to gain more experiences. Mm -hmm. So I did uh, a few interviews and, and I finally got a, a, another job in a different hospital, Great Dormer Great Street Hospital. Uh -huh. And so I moved there. Uh -huh. And it was a great experience. I, I work with doctors from, from many countries. It was like a very open-minded hospital. And I had the opportunity to, to work in hematology and oncology and also bone marrow transplantation. Mm. So yes, I think all the experience again in the UK helped me uh, for the future job mm. I, I work in, in, in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And that's what made you come back, isn't it? A job offer in Barcelona. Yes, so I, I started to have a very stable situation in the UK. I have like a, my group of friends, my little family. <clears throat> and also in the second hospital I was working, they, they, they wanted me to continue. They offered a, 
uh, a longer post doing research and clinical. It was like a combination between clinical and research post. It was a great mm. opportunity. Mm. But um, um, they told me that someone, a senior doctor from Barcelona in the bone marrow transplant unit of Valderon, that, the, that this person was going to retire. So there, there was a post. Um, many friends of mine back in Spain, they, they told me that they should apply for this post mm. because in these three years I spent in London, I had a lot of training in bone marrow transplantation. Mm. So it was difficult for me because it wasn't home. It was Barcelona, Catalonia. I'm from Cadiz. Yeah. Uh, and I had to decide, okay, now I'm here. I have a good job in the UK. Should I move to, to Barcelona? Yeah. But yes, I was, I, I was very lucky because the, this, this post that, that I applied for and that they finally offered me, uh, it was a very good post because I could do what I really like to. Uh, I, so yes, I finally, as I, I decided to do the interview, I came to Barcelona. It was the 6th of January. I remember it was the Dia <laughs> de los Reyes Magos. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so I came here to Barcelona to do the interview. It was this, uh, I came on the 6th of January and the interview was on the 7th of January. Um, I had to wait for the answer like two weeks, but they, they finally called me and told me they wanted me to, to come to, to work here in Barcelona. So it was a, a very hard decision because uh. I did really like my job in London, but I finally decided to, to move back to Spain and to come to, to Barcelona to, to do the job I'm doing now. Mm. So you, you said it was like hard leaving London to go back to Barcelona, but how was it uh, like going back a bit? How was it leaving Spain to go to England? Obviously, it was probably quite scary. But yes, how was how was it leaving? Sevilla? Was it Sevilla you were in, and then you left to London? Sorry, say that again. Were you, were you in Sevilla, and then you left to London? Yes. And how 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 was it making that decision coming to come well going to the UK and leaving? Well, Spain? at the beginning, it wasn't a difficult decision because my plan was to go to London only for three months. Uh huh. So it was like, okay, I don't have a job now. Mm, I don't want to work. Uh, I mean, I, I, I have a, like a period of time without no job. And I thought, okay, I can go to, to London for three months. I can, learn, I can uh, learn English and I can also be in a hospital and to, to learn how they do. But when the first hospital where I moved, they, they did bone marrow transplantation as well. So it was like only for three months and I will come back uh -huh. so it was like an adventure yeah but once I was there the thing was growing and growing and growing and growing and I finally spent like three years in, yeah in, 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 like this. And so it wasn't difficult in that way of course uh, it was difficult when I started working there you know I uh, it was a difficult post uh -huh. in a different language I used to wake up like at 5 a.m. thinking, I have to go to work today. <laughs> <laughs> that like the never-ending adventure. Yeah. So moving to London wasn't difficult. The, the difficult thing was to 
and to start working there. And okay. there was a very difficult thing was I, in order to start my, my post, I have to translate my titles. I had to, to get a letter from the uh, Colegio de Médicos, mm -hmm. Spanish Colegio de Médicos. Yeah. It's like the same the General Medical Council. Yeah. And it was so difficult. They didn't send me the letter. I had to, to take a plane, go to Madrid, ask them, please, I need this letter. I want to start a new job in London. <laughs> Are you glad that you that you went to the UK and... Ah, yes. So, yes, I think... Um, uh, I remember how, how angry I was with the public system of health in Spain. Uh-huh. In, in general? But this problem gave me, at the same time, a very big opportunity. Uh -huh. Now I feel I'm an open-minded person. Uh -huh. And I'm sure that I got the job I have in Barcelona because all the, all the training I had before in different hospitals I was doing bone transplantation, hematology. Uh -huh. So, yes, I'm very glad I, I decided to move. And also it was like, uh, I met many people. I met you, I met Laura. Yeah. <laughs> I met many nice people. And yes, I, it was a good experience to be yeah. abroad. And, and to study, working, and to know a different way of life. Did you, so you were saying like you met lots of different people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I take it you met lots of Spanish doctors and nurses. Yes. Were they also like quite angry at the Spanish public system? And why? Because it seems to be like uh, an ongoing thing that they're angry at the Spanish system. But like, why were they angry? Uh, the the word I think is not angry. I think it is more um, disappointed. Uh huh. Maybe. Yes, but we didn't used to talk about it, but uh, like it wasn't the center of our conversations. But uh -huh. yes, they 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 were all very happy and. You know, if we would have all these opportunities back in Spain, it was. 2000, 2013, 2014, it wasn't a good time to finish your training. Right. Because you will finish and then you will have to maybe, yes, many, many of my friends had to, how to move. Um, so they were, um, I think they had the same feeling as I had, no? When you have to go to a different country to work because you want to do it, it's a different thing, but when you have to do it because you did, you did the study six years, you did your training for four or five years, and then you finish and you don't have a job, or if they give you a job, it's for one month in a different place, three days in another place, mm -hmm. and stuff like that, you you became sad because you you wanted to do something big, and then you realize that your dreams, <laughs> I like broken so it's not the same to go to a different country because you want to do something different mm. in our situation we have to move because we didn't have a, a stable job most of us were like in our starting our 30s and when we started studying medicine we thought that okay we are going to study medicine we are going to do our training in pediatrics oncology in cardiology surgery and we will have a job but no yeah. it wasn't when we finish but 
I think that um, although we were uh, a bit angry with the system, we were happy that we had an opportunity outside abroad. Mm. Um, I think my friends had the same, the same feeling as me that at least we have a, a great opportunity in a different country and also the all the all the new things all the that you can learn when you go abroad i think at the end uh it was a good thing but there were other group of doctors that maybe they didn't decide to move they i don't know you have to yeah be brave to go outside to leave uh, everything back and move along to to a different place yeah I suppose like people with families and things that lost their jobs as well. They didn't have that opportunity to go abroad. Um, and, you know, you said it was good, like getting the opportunities and things. And, you know, it's like, the, I suppose what we would call in English, like the silver lining of the situation as you get to go. And some people got to learn and explore and live a different way of life and things. Do you think those people would come back to Spain if, like, I mean, I don't think the public system has changed. <laughs> well, from what I understand, it hasn't really changed a lot um, since people left. It's just that there's more jobs now, maybe. But like the, and I'm not sure about the temporary contracts, but I've heard different stories. I mean, it's different every community, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. Yes, it's different in every community. I think now it's a bit easier to find a job. But uh -huh. I'm, I'm not sure uh, that it's easy to find a stable job. Do you know uh -huh. what I mean? Yeah. And with conditions. So I was very, very lucky to find the job I have. Uh -huh. But um, most of my friend, doctor friends, I don't know that much about nurses, but about doctors. For example, some of my friends still in Seville, they are like 35 year old like me. And they, they even don't, they still don't have a permanent job or unstable job at this time of their life. And also here in Barcelona, I have a few friends and, and they, they have like a kind of a contract given, given by a grant. Uh. They maybe get uh, 1,000 euros per month, but they have to work uh, as I do. So you understand what I mean? They, yeah. they, they doctors that get paid by grant, but they 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 do the same job that I have to do. Wow, that's really strange. So it's not the situation is not not great. I, I think it's not fair that a person that a person that have studied for six years, done a training for five years, and have an experience of three or four years, have to be working for one thousand or one thousand and a half euro per month, mm, working yeah. eight from eight to five pm. Um, I don't think it's fair no, to be in a situation like this. No, that's really strange. So, Maribel, you've experienced several different routes getting work in the UK through, you know, the normal sort of, you, as you would get a normal job in Spain, you would go for an interview, they tell you how much you get paid, what your responsibility is going to be, then they ring you and say, yes or no, you've got the job. Um, um, but in the public sector, it seems a bit different in Spain. You have like the oppositiones. So after you've done your speciality training, you're, you know, you're a qualified, like you were a qualified pediatrician and you would go and do the oppositiones. Is that right? And then they like, they rank you 
and depending mm-hmm. on a, on your score, you get you get a better choice of job, or you get put into like a I don't know, it's a very complex thing, isn't yeah. it? Like you get put in the bolsa, which and then they might pick you out and ring you. Um, yeah. And then there's the option, you know, where you go around to hospitals giving out your CV, and maybe they ring you for a a month contract. I don't know. Um, like, what were the pros and cons of all these different routes? And do you think the Spanish way needs to change at all, or because it sounds like a bit of a bit of a nightmare for a lot of people? Yes, the uh, posiciones to me they are like a nightmare. Uh-huh. Uh, I was lucky; I got my job by, by the normal way by an interview. Uh-huh. But most of doctors and nurses they, they have to get all their training inside of the bolsa system. Uh-huh. And, then, and then, for example, in Andalucía, these oppositions didn't happen for like six years i think really so most doctors were like working without a permanent job but the thing is and the thing is the only i think the only way to to get almost the only way to get a permanent job was to go and do these oppositions and get a post Uh but imagine you are a pediatrician and you've been doing pneumology for kids for like six years seven years and then you go and do these oppositions. And you maybe you can get a post after the oppositions, but you have to move to a different hospital doing or general pits or cardiology when you when your experience has been in pneumology. Uh-huh. And in your post, maybe a different person that didn't have any experience of pneumology will come back and take your post. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh-huh. Some hospitals in some services, they what they do is that to create uh, an, a specific post uh-huh. and they do like an intern um, application. If you know uh-huh. So that's the way I, I got my post. Uh-huh. I did apply, I did the interview. Then they decided between the group of persons that went to do the interview that they wanted to, they decided that I was the one for the post. Uh-huh. But I feel this is uh, the right way because uh-huh. you have your um, a specific profile and uh-huh. you are for the post. But in the other way, uh, maybe you, after uh, a big uh, oppositions, all the pediatric services in a hospital can change with different people coming from different places. Uh-huh. Um, maybe you had a very good doctor doing, as I told you, pneumology for six years, and now you have to 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 receive a person who never have a training in pneumology, but maybe he's a very good cardiologist, but he has to do now uh, pneumologies. Wow. Very well. That's really, I didn't know that about the opposition. And also maybe you have to move to another different city when you have your family and stuff. And... Did, did you see a different side to how the healthcare system should treat its staff? And, you know, what things do you think needs to change? So I think few things need to get uh, better for doctors and nurses as well, uh, in order for them to 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 decide to come back to to Spain. And the first thing is uh, to get more stable contracts. Uh-huh. The second thing is um, so we were asked to to do our training, but now I did hear that uh, you can get a job without finishing your training. Uh-huh. 
So I think we should be in the all of us should be in the same situation. Uh-huh. And also, um, when you work in the public system health, you realize that that there are there are not enough doctors and nurses. So uh-huh. they should contract more people. Uh-huh. Because we we have to do our job. We finish very uh, later than we should do because we are not enough people working. Um, and also, um, but not the least, um, the salaries. When you compare the salaries of an Spanish doctor with a French or an English doctor, uh-huh. you will realize uh, how how big is the difference. Uh-huh. Uh, for example, I think in in France they they could earn like double that we do in Spain, and and in the UK they they earn the triple of, uh-huh. triple of the salary that we earn in Spain. Wow! So this for me these are the more important things that should mm. be getting better. Thank you very much, Maribel. Thank you, Alan. Thanks very much, Maribel, for coming on the Sobremesa podcast. So there you have it. Austerity kicks in. No one can get a job, so everyone goes abroad. They find much better conditions, much better pay, lengthy contracts abroad, and they and they sort of think, well, I ain't going back. And then the global pandemic hits, and Spain is struggling because it doesn't have enough doctors and nurses. Now, with the nurses, they're trying to tempt them back in other ways. But with the doctors, what they've done is they've passed a law that allows um, community that is to employ people that the unions say aren't qualified. So these are people that have done their medical degree. So they've just done six years of medical training or medical degree, sorry. Um, but they haven't done the four years specialist training that you do after your medical degree so in spain spain it takes about 10 years to become a doctor six years at uni four years as a in a form of specialist training um and the government want to allow people that haven't done the four years specialist training to work as specialist doctors um and the union are saying that this is very very unsafe and will affect not only patient care but also it will affect the professionals that are already burnt out by the virus because it will put more pressure on them to sort of observe and um and control these uh these what the union terms as untrained doctors uh, they also what the government's law will also allow them to employ people from outside the eu uh people that haven't had their qualifications convalidated so and if you're from Mexico and you've trained to be a neurosurgeon, then you could come and work in Spain. Uh, whilst that might be okay on most on most um, occasions, there are some countries out there that their their medical training wouldn't reach the standards of um, the Spanish medical training. Things might be a bit different this time with this government, but certainly this law doesn't really help matters. In fact you know they're trying to they're trying to fix long-term problems quite quickly in the short term so obviously this is quite difficult to fix but they should be working with the doctors unions which i'm sure they are because actually this story over the past week um, i was going to release this story last week but the the podcast was (laughs) was an hour and a half long so over the past week this story has died down quite a bit so hopefully the doctors won't go on strike um, on the 27th 
But there is another thing taking over the news cycle this week, which is Vox's motion of no confidence. So this will be, I think, the fourth motion, with fifth motion of no confidence since Spain's transition to democracy. Um, the last one was Pedro Sanchez's one on Mariona Rajoy. Um, so this one and the, is is the fifth one, and the candidate is the leader of Vox. Santiago Abascal, and they've had the spokesperson on national TV this morning saying that they've been approaching MPs from all parties to try and convince them. Inez Aramadas, the leader of the uh, Ciudadanos, uh, has apparently already ruled out that they won't be voting for it. Um, and it's probably quite hard to see how anyone from the regions would vote for it, um, although there might be some people abstaining. Uh, that's always something to take into consideration. But the big question is whether the PP will vote for it. Now, if they do, then that will put them on equal playing field with Vox, more or less. Uh, but maybe they want to play a bit more grown up and maybe they want to, ab they might abstain uh, as well, which I think they uh, might do, which will just leave 52 votes against the government, which will mean that this motion of no confidence goes nowhere. Uh, this is really, you know, in my opinion, just taking up time and it's posturing. Uh, and that's what many of the centre, the left politicians, and many, I think quite a few in the PP party have even said something similar. So um, it will be interesting to see how this week goes. Um, I won't be covering it on this podcast, but it's certainly something that you should keep an eye out for. Next week here, we will have uh, Professor Sophie Gunnick, who is going to be talking about her book. Now, the book doesn't come out till next year, but it's incredibly interesting. It's about the origins of the anti-eviction um, protest groups and how that led and how they were created by immigrants and how how immigrants were the first to be hit during the housing crisis in Spain. And she explains the housing crisis, which was, you know, we're still feeling the effects of now, 10 years later. So that episode promises to be very interesting. This week, I would keep an eye out, obviously, for news about Vox's motion of no confidence. Um, and there's there's going to be plenty of mudslinging in Congress um, I think it's going to be on Tuesday and Thursday, maybe, or is it Wednesday? I'm not sure. And also this week, a uh, friend of the show, Owen Gilmartin, he was on a couple of weeks ago talking about pandemic politics. If you want to give that episode a listen, uh, please do. Uh, he's got an interview with Pablo Iglesias coming out in English. It's going to be uh, published on the Jacobin website uh, early this week. So that's definitely worth a look out for. And in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be going to a course on more or less ethical blogging. Um, but this is run by a, a friend. Uh, no Frills Madrid is an excellent resource um, created by Leah Patton. She lives in in centre of Madrid and she often documents in a very articulate and insightful way uh, the side of Spain that you only really get to know when you live here. Um, and she is running a course. This is the second time she's run the course. She ran it in, in the summer and she's going to be running it again in November. Um, and she has two places left. So if you're interested in joining me on this course, um, then you can have a look on our website, which is nofrillsmadrid.com.
I would certainly encourage you to check out her reports and articles. They are fantastic. With regards to this podcast, our our aim was to break 200 listens um, of all episodes within a week. Well, this week we absolutely smashed it. 600 views. Yes, 600 views in a week. Absolutely awesome. So thank you everybody who's bothered to subscribe, listen and share with the podcast. Thank you to everybody that's been on the podcast. Um, All of our collective efforts are making this podcast pretty awesome. So let's see if we can get to a thousand by Christmas. A thousand plays and listens and downloads all collectively put together by Christmas. That would be sick. Uh, Thanks very much for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast. And I will see you next week with the new topic of housing in Spain. Have a great week. Thank you.